I've been to Tiroli, Haiti many times before the 900 Project ever started, and my heart always broke from the poverty that I saw. I think the biggest thing I recall is the fecal matter running down the streets. No one had clothes when we went there the first time. Kids were dragging milk cartons through the streets that had wheels on them. The fact that they were sharing bathrooms or going down to the river to use the bathrooms, waking up in the middle of the night to walk down out of the village to the river to go to the bathroom, it just, it's just something that we take so for granted. And just the sheer amount of poverty was unreal. In the past, the hospital was like filled with just so many people and there would be a line out the door um, for people just waiting to get in the hospital. People with cholera, a lot of the times would just stay in their house and just wait to die because of how terrible it was. And that really impacted me just hearing that because I've, no one in the United States has experienced cholera, you know? At that time, I had an eight-month-old uh, son at home, and I see this kid running beside the bus, and as he's running, uh, his face turns to my son's face. And I lost it. I was weeping in the front. And God really put on my heart that um, all these kids in Tirole were my kids, and that I had to do something. It wasn't until that, uh, that time three years ago where uh, we were on a bus and God put on the heart of not just me, but an entire team to do something entirely. My first experience in Tilly Haiti was pretty profound. It was a lot different from anything I'd ever experienced. The first day that we went to Tilly Haiti, we asked the people there what they needed. We were expecting them to say they needed fresh water, they needed food, or just basic necessities, and they responded with latrines. We were in shock. I mean, we had never heard that people needed latrines before. That was never on our radar of something that a village would even need. A few days later in the trip, again, we were, we were on our way to go visit some sponsored children, and that's when we had this experience on our bus. Something filled that bus, and all of our talents that we were given all of the desires that we had, all of our abilities that we were given by God all came together to be able to create a complete nonprofit. We were able to engage with uh, a different community other than our own, and it was through that that um, God just presented this thing to us. We started to think about, okay, how can this work? How can we get this to be done? What steps need to be taken? And we realized that this was a task that never ever could be done with just our strength or our ability. We knew that this was something that we needed God to do through us because we were just a group of young adults who didn't have much power in this world, didn't have many resources in this world, but we wanted to do something that was raising over $300,000. And so in those moments we were like, all right, we're gonna do this. So we turned our bus around and from there we started the whole 900 project. C'est l'aimé fait de mon homme parce que rêve la lui-même, l'y réaliser parce que 
avant même nous nous portions la tine, nous avions dans mauvaises conditions. When we were there, we uh, we attended a church service and we heard and saw families and people praying out loud for for their needs and for their for their community, and it was incredible to see people love for each other and love for their families and just be totally desperate for God. There was people sitting in all the all the chairs. There was people standing in the in the aisles. There was people coming in with chairs from their houses, plastic chairs from their houses. There was kids looking through the slits in the windows, like just trying to see what was going on and trying to kind of take in what was going on. I mean, you could really feel like the desire to be there, to be part of it, and kind of have that experience. Oui, parce que mon yo vin gagner plus de vie dans l'évangile. Ça veut dire façon mon yo te comprendre l'évangile longtemps et authentique chant. Comprendre même pour le moment actuel, c'est mon yo vin gagner plus de vie dans l'évangile. We went to one of the houses where they had gotten a latrine and we asked a woman what she uh, needed prayer for and she got up and started sprinting. And all of us were kind of confused didn't know why she was running, but the translator told us that um, her son had a hernia in his stomach, just a two-year-old son, to see her faith and to see how much she believed that us praying for her son would have an impact was unbelievable. That they realized that a prayer literally can change a life. Three years ago, before the 900 Project started, we went to Tillery. I stepped out of the van and I felt like God whispered in my ear, the next time you come back to this village, it will never be the same. Yesterday, going back, just seeing it being vibrant and full of life and the people were so happy and they couldn't even express in words how much the latrines meant to them and how much they changed the entire village. We arrived and we walked through the town in some small groups. It was kind of awesome just to see how many families um, were impacted by the latrines. Because uh, after everyone, we would um, we'd pray for them, and the only thing they had in response was just "thank you, thank you so much." It was really an honor to be able to witness and be a part of something that has literally saved lives. And there were children that we we saw, children we spent time with yesterday, that may not have been there had this project not worked out the way that it did, had God not intervened in, in our actions and what's happened over the past three years. Without that, some of those kids, some of those parents wouldn't, wouldn't be alive to care for their families today. These guys are my family. Like, I mean, I've joked around about it a lot, but like, God, God cares for his family. I mean, I'm Haitian and I was walking around like imagining my cousins, my mom and my sisters here in this place. It's like, God loves these people um, and he wants us to, to show um, them his love. When a couple of people were asked what the latrines did for the village, um, they responded that it brought hope. Alors, et premièrement, qui fait moi vraiment l'hypothèse Jésus? Parce que le Jésus est arrivé à quelque côté, il a prié avec quelqu'un, il a dit qu'on va aller te battre. Mais nous, vu que nous ne sommes pas arrivés à nous, nous ne sommes pas arrivés à nous. Je n'ai jamais réalisé que donner quelqu'un 
a bathroom and providing a village with bathrooms could be something that dignifies someone. That they could, it could be something that's used to, to tell them that they're worth something. And it showed them the love that God had for them, that he cares enough about a latrine. And that God just cares about people. So it's going to be a little different today than uh, normal. Uh, we usually don't have mats on the front of the stage, but uh, God's put something on my heart, and uh, I need to share it. I was going to talk uh, today about suffering and how to kind of have faith uh, during hard times, uh, but God's really shown me since this trip a couple weeks ago that uh, he, needs, he needs me to tell my story of what God has done and uh, how God can and do great things in your life when you simply cry mercy. And uh, so I'm excited to see what God does this morning in us and as we leave here and as we live our lives as Black Rock Church. So let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, what you have uh, brought a bunch of us through these last few years and for the story we have to tell about how good you are, how uh, when we walk with you, when we follow your will, that you do incredible things uh, in and through us. And Lord, we as a 900 Project just want everyone to live this way, in a way that uh, we have experienced these last three years. And so uh, uh, speak to us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So for me, uh, I have uh, three kids. I have two boys, Blake and Chad, and uh, we love to wrestle um, my son up there, the Chad, he, for this picture, he would not, not take off the pink headband. We tried so hard and, uh, he just wanted that pink headband. And so we love to wrestle. We have a, a mattress that we put down in our living room and, uh, just wrestle all the time. And the great part of wrestling is that, um, when you're wrestling, you, you want to pin the other person. And when you get that person pinned, you want them to scream out one word, mercy, because then you have won, you have, you have beat that other person. And so at the beginning, of, when my kids and I wrestled, they would like enjoy saying mercy. They would like it. They would like be like, oh, dad, pin me and, and let me cry mercy. Now it's complete opposite. Like the last couple months, it's like they never, ever want to scream mercy. They just want me to scream mercy. And so the entire time is me getting tackled and them teaming up on me to get me on this mat and to get me to cry mercy. And what I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking about that whole idea with us and with God, that as Christ followers and as, as just people, we need to get in the stance and in the mindset that we have to cry mercy each and every day. Now, the word mercy is found hundreds and hundreds of times throughout the scriptures, and it was often where the writers would be crying to God for mercy. And so the question is, why, why do we cry mercy? We cry mercy because of who God is. He's good. He is our creator, and he's holy. And then who are we? We are sinful people 
who because of our sinfulness, we, we don't have an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus except through his mercy and his grace that he's extended to us through Jesus. We have that opportunity. And that's why we cry mercy. And that's why we need to cry mercy each and every day because we realize we need God desperately. Psalm 28.2 says, Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. That cry, that, that scream inside of us that we need God's help. The writer here is sharing that with us, that he needed God's help. And that's for you and I. Each day, we need that help. We need God there for us. We can't save ourselves. But it's not just us receiving that mercy. It's also us extending that mercy. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. God has modeled to us. He has shown us. What is good? And it's for us to love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly with him each and every day. That's what he wants for us. So the question this morning that I want to pose to you is, are you wrestling with God each and every day? Because if you're not on this mat, if you're not wrestling with him each and every day, instead you're in control. Instead, God is in the background. You're driving your own life. God is not there next to you or even driving where you're going. And he wants to. And the, what I've learned over the years is the more and more I cry mercy, the more and more I say, God, you are in control. I don't want to be in control. He shows up. And he shows up in some major, major ways. So when we start to allow to having God win our wrestling match, we learn to cry mercy, to give up control to his way and his plan for our life. And you know what? I can say that, but then each and every day, it is a constant, constant struggle to actually let God win. Because for me, when I win, then I get to do with my money what I want, my time. I get to, to do the things and have the relationships that are easy. But when I'm wrestling with God, when God is winning, everything is flipped upside down. So why do I want to have God win every wrestling match? It ultimately comes down to this. God has a plan for my life. And he wants to do some incredible things in me and through me for his glory. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, there's that word mercy again, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, the world that says it's about me, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good perfect and pleasing will. That's what life is all about. And that's what God has really shown me these last few days is that there's something when I cry mercy, 
When I give up control, he shows up and he does incredible things through me. He does his good, pleasing, and perfect will for both me and the world around me. And that's something incredible that we need to embrace, that we need to be on this mat each and every day wrestling with God saying, okay, I give up. Have mercy on me. And in that, he shows up. For years, I thought that crying mercy was a one-time deal that would get me to heaven. If I cried mercy one time, my sins would be forgiven, and I would go to heaven, and that's what Christianity was all about. But what Romans 12 there talks about is, no, it is a daily giving yourself up to him, crying mercy, and then he will use you to change your world, to have your world be something that his will is being done in. And so for us, his plan is for us to love mercy, for us to act justly, and for us to live out his will each and every day. See, God has a much bigger dream for you, a dream that is far beyond anything you can ever imagine. I'm thankful for the worship team who led in this song, Touch the, Touch the Sky, and it says in it, I found my life when I laid it down. Upward falling, spirit soaring, I touched the sky when my knees hit the ground. You know what? For the last three weeks, that's a song that I've been listening to because the words right there are what I'm truly experiencing. I touched the sky when my knees hit the ground. It's the opposite of what we think. We think that we touch the sky, we get to our, our potential when we do it ourselves. But when we actually fall to our knees, when we get to that point where we're desperate for God, when we cry out, he shows up. And so here's my story. So four years ago, you heard it in the video, I'm interiorly, we're driving on a bus, and I'm calling out to God saying, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And as I'm crying that out to God in prayer, just on the front of the bus, this kid's running along aside of me, and his face turns to my son's face, and I start weeping. And I go, okay, God, what is it you want to do in my life? I'm crying mercy, going, God, what is it? So for an entire year, I'm wrestling with God. I'm on the mat with God saying, God, what is it? What was that vision? What was that experience? Why did you take me through that? The next year, we get to to Haiti again, and they tell us about latrines. And I'll be honest, I had no clue what a latrine was, how to build one, how much they cost. When I first even thought about it, I was like, you know what? That's for somebody else to do. I don't, I don't want to take part in this. And then when I heard $300,000, I'm like, I really don't want to be a part of it because I don't have a rich uncle who can pay for it. But God said, I want you to do this. And I knew something was different because I'd been on trips before and I'd taken students uh, before and we would always kind of spend the last day debriefing at like a nice hotel at a, at a beach and just enjoying that time just to kind of think about what we experienced and take it back home. In that trip, the kids gave up their entire day of beach and said, how are we going to bring this idea of the 900 project back home? Let's pray about it. Let's do something. And I'm going, okay. I got to get on board. But you know what? I kept wrestling with God saying, I don't want this. 
I don't have enough time. I, this is just not me. And so God slowly started to show me his plan. And so last year, we got to celebrate the completion of a couple hundred of these latrines. And I was so overjoyed. We, we learned that uh, we had eliminated cholera uh, at, that, at that time from the village just through a couple hundred latrines. And I, I was so moved. But then we looked at our bank account for the 900 project. We said, we have no money. We have talked to everyone that we can talk to. We've talked to churches. We've talked to BlackRock numerous times. How are, how are we going to get this next couple hundred thousand dollars that we need? And for me, you know what? Even in that success, seeing God work, I wanted to quit. Last summer, I really was like, you know what? I just I have so many other things that are pulling at me. God, how is this going to happen? And so I was at my in-law's house on the porch, and I got a phone call uh, from someone who had been to Tier Lee on their own trips, doing their own thing, and they had seen what was happening. And he calls me up and he goes, Jeremy, I want to help you finish it. I want to build a couple hundred latrines with you and be a part of what is happening here. And for me, I literally fell on my knees and said, God, you are so, so good. Because in my lack of faith, in my selfishness, in my desire to win the wrestling match, I wanted to give up. But you showed up, God. You're so big. And so then this year, we get to celebrate 900 latrines being built. Literally 900. And for hope... And for hope being brought to a village where there was not hope before because of a simple thing of a latrine. I still can't understand it. But for me, June 22nd, 2015 will be a day that I will never forget. Because it was a day where God showed something even greater to me. And he truly brought me to the mat and made me surrender. That was a day when I visited the hospital. The hospital where I had been numerous times before, where every time I went, there was a line out the door. Where I was telling Bruce, who made the video, Bruce, I'm not going to go inside because, you know what, it just freaks me out. I don't want to get sick. And this time we walk up, there's no line. This time I look inside and it's clean. And I go, okay, maybe I have the courage to actually walk inside. And I walk inside, and there's one mom with her two-year-old daughter, and there's one other person in the whole hospital. And as we talk to this nurse, as I talk to this nurse, I realize how good God is. I realize that he has a much bigger plan than I can ever dream. Because for me, it was 900 latrines. But for him, it was life. It was hope. It was something that I almost missed. In that village, that hospital will never be the same. Because 
disease is gone. The simple things that were making people sick are gone. And so for me that day, I learned it's about this. Me crying mercy every single day. And when I do this, God shows up. So I was in studying for this sermon and God had one more thing. That little kid that was running beside the bus, God goes in his quiet voice to me, that kid is alive because of what you guys did, because of these latrines. God is so good. When we cry mercy, when we give up our lives, God shows up. And he does great things through us. It's not us. It's not me because I know I wanted to quit. I didn't want it. But God needs us. And he has a plan for you. And so my challenge for you this morning is to wrestle with God each day. Don't not go to that mat. Go to that mat each morning. Say, God, I am yours. Use me. I know you have a big plan for my life. If you've never gone to that mat, if you've never wrestled with God and said, I give up control, make that day today where you say, God, I need you. God, forgive me of my sins. I want to be a follower of you. I want you to do great things through me. It's not just about the eternal life, but it's about the here and now and me living for you each day. I want that. For all of us, I pray, I plead with you, start wrestling with God because he wants to do something in and through you that is far beyond your dreams. You will save people. You will change your world by simply crying mercy.